kids books oh kids books i loathe you you suck out my brain i wish i could flush you just right down the drain if only you found your way to the trash kids books oh kids books wait let's not be rash while yes some children's books can be absolute garbage especially if we are asked to read them ad nauseum but who can't resist the call of dad will you read to me or Mommy, let's read together. As parent educators, we know the importance of early and shared reading with kids. So we are here to recommend some of our favorites, books that get kids thinking, aren't rage-inducing for parents, and maximize the time we spend reading with our kids to help them grow in more ways than one. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, La Capitana Casey Veach, team skeptic and idea slinger of spaghetti, Emily Coquelin, and me, clarifying the GLG butter, Jenny Labrie. With these sing-songy rhymes and predictable storylines, children's books aren't everybody's cup of tea. But just like sharing and pretend tea time play is an important bonding experience for child and parent, spending time reading together is even more so. Well-written children's books can ignite a family's imagination, increase vocabulary, and build the foundation of lifelong learning and reading. So in this second installment of our Parent University series, it's our intention to provide children's book recommendations to parents that lead to a shared love of reading with meaning. All right, everyone. So we are back for more Parent You, looking to make yeah. more uh, connections to parents with parents and teachers, create some content that we can share and that teachers can share with the parents in their lives and with their own families. So let's jump right in. And I want to begin by naming something exciting and fun. But even though it won't drop on this date, we are recording the episode on International Children's Book Day. We didn't even plan that, did yes, we? Yes, I thought that was... Nope. <laughs> no, but secretly, it's really exciting. <laughs> about it it came up on my feet this morning meant I'm like, to be yay i know we had to push our recording back a day but truly it was meant to be so a happy international children's book day to all of you yes and as we mentioned in the intro maybe there's some feelings about children's books that maybe we want to work through but as a uh, former librarian i am beyond excited to talk about this topic i love talking about books learning more about books that can be shared and getting recommendations sharing recommendations with others so this is the jam okay so before we do Let's talk about some of the benefits that come from reading with our children. This seems like an obvious, especially for our audience, but I think we probably want to just lay it out there. What are the things that can help our kids or our families with this? I will go there first, especially as the world language teacher in general and learning what it means for second language acquisition. But even in our first language, we need comprehensible input. Comprehensible input is also not only the words that go into your brain as the, almost the gas that fuels the speech motor, but you also want to level up and continue to level up with your children's books that you're reading because you want to give them vocabulary that may be unfamiliar to them in that moment, just slightly so that you're pushing the envelope more and more. And that's what's going to actually raise not only their vocabulary, but their speech motors in general. 
And one of the things that I prided myself on with both of my boys is as an introvert, imaginative play was always really tough for me. So in order to help expose them to the language they needed to kickstart their own ability to talk back at me, <laughs> I found the easiest way to do that was through shared reading of, of children's stories because I was providing that comprehensible input that they needed to develop their language skills. Yes, I totally agree with that. And you hit that sweet spot when you have that moment where you're reading something and your kiddo asks, what does that word mean? And then you get the opportunity to like add that word to their vocabulary and then you hear them use it and it's like ah it's the best okay so i would say another one that i was thinking about is the ability to possibly improve their concentration their focus their discipline and again you know we come from an executive functioning family we've talked about it on the pod several times before but even as little bitties my kids could always sit still through a book as long as it was engaging. You know, there were some books that they were not plugged into that didn't catch their attention. But I think that if a book catches your kid's attention, like you said, Casey, like instigates their imagination and really gets their their yeah. brain flowing, I think you can really see kids, even kids who don't normally sit still or focus for very long, find that place of focus. Or even those of us who understand hyper-focus, a lot of us do that when we're reading, me particularly, and my daughter as well. This one might come as pretty obvious, but again, I just think it's important that we mention it even is just that preparation for academic success from birth to five. That age group right there is just so important to be providing those opportunities to be reading and loving to read and getting the engagement that you're talking about in those early years that sets them up for not only kindergarten, but beyond. For example, my son and Emily, your twins are in the same grade, and they missed out on a lot of preschool because of COVID and pandemic. So it was like, how do we supplement really that birth to five of your reading to kids? you're setting them up for that academic success regardless of, yes, we preschool, we highly endorse when we can, but when our kids couldn't be in preschool, mm-hmm. what were we doing with them? Yep, you had to read, and that was the best thing to do. And honestly, I think in terms of like social development and bonding, this is an important thing too, right? When you think about the act of reading with and to a child, usually the child is on your lap or sitting nearby so that they can see what you can see. So you're drawing them in. There's a closeness to it, and it, I think it's, it really is strengthening of the parent-child or caregiver-child bond however that looks like. I've got beautiful pictures of, you know, my parents and Nick's parents reading to the kids too. I think it's wonderful when parents and caregivers and guardians of all sorts, the village that we choose, can bond with our children through books. Emily, I love that you brought in the caregiver piece. My oldest, he's finishing up kindergarten and he's now finally getting to the place where he wants to read to somebody. And if you ask him who his favorite person to read to It's his grandfather. And so it just made me smile and tear up thinking about it's not only what we can do, but also what our village around us can do too, which makes the book recommendation process that much more fun because the books that are available now are far more inclusive, far more diverse, far more representative of so many more people and types of people than maybe what our parents were reading to to us. So that's truly why we wanted to do this episode as well as to provide more 
access for what else is out there to get all kids interested in developing that lifelong love of reading because you can't do it with the same books for every kid because each book is going to speak differently to different kids. Oh, yeah, you are hidden at the heart of the issue there. I think we need to realize that every kid is going to have their own separate issues and ideas and imaginative things that speak to them. And we need to make sure that our understanding and repertoire and even abilities to suggest or pick out or begin reading a book with our child can really run the gamut so that we're able to capture them in some way or another in that interest and engagement that we want so badly with our kids. Well, and let's think about this. This series is called Parent You, and I'd also like to touch on, (laughs) Emily, you mentioned in the intention that concept of also having that shared love of reading, and Casey, what you were just talking about, just more dynamic and more engaging and more inclusive. There's so many options out there to also be entertaining for adults, but also speak to kids in a different way. I mean, I even just think of when you watch animated movies now, right? Even just some of the lingo or the vocabulary, certain jokes that an adult might catch it. There's books like that that also can meet the audience of our very youngest readers and also adults being really engaged in the process too. And I love that. Yes, and thank you for mentioning that because that more or less provides the transition into the next little bit we're going to talk about, which kind of goes into the dark place a little bit, but whatever. And, And that's the fact that sometimes kids' books for adults are, despite all the wonderful things we know they do for our children, not as much fun for us. We like it when they have those little bits and things that capture our attention. So we're going to want to talk about what those things are or what are some books that do that effectively. But let's tow it back a little bit and just talk about the idea of the kids' books that we're not I so mean, excited there's to always see some. in our kids' hands. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll go first with this. Yeah. So... I have libraries in multiple rooms of my house, surprise, surprise, of kids' books. And the one author that is not in my house, because I will not allow it, is Dr. Seuss. If my child were to bring any Dr. Seuss book home from their school or home from their library, I would be, find your grandparent. (laughs) I refuse. And it's for a couple of reasons. Really, the first, they are so flipping (laughs) long and nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens that is good in any of those books. Like the cat in the hat is just (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Like making messes. There's a party pooping fish. There's like, (laughs) it's just not good. So Dr. Seuss does not have a place in the Veatch Home Library system. Well, I know that it's it's slightly controversial one way or another with Dr. Seuss, but in general terms in the Libri household, we do have several. So I want to stick up for Dr. Seuss slightly in that way. For example, it's really good. <laughs> Casey's. This is back to the Twilight series. Anyway. Oh, man. Other books Here we, we disagree go. on. <laughs> But for the Dr. Seuss, I'm going to stick up for it a little bit in the sense where we have a lot also in multiple languages. So it's really good for the phonics development and the sounds and being able to rhyme and that sort of thing. So we have a lot of them in Spanish and French and English in our household. So we use them a lot in those terms. Now, when you come to like the idea of the storyline, perhaps you might have an, an argument there. But I enjoy a good Sam I am here and there. I don't mind it so much. And again, I understand that it helps with the phonic side of things and phonemic awareness and all that stuff. There's better <laughs> books. Yes. I think than that. The one I will say we do have in here that hasn't left was one that 
I forget his actual name. Not Dr. Like what his nom de plume Theodore is. Ted, Ted, Ted Geisel. Theodore something like that. Yes. Fact checking. Um, I probably pronounced that wrong. He passed away before he could finish it. And Jack Proletsky finished the book. So that one we do have in the house. It's Hooray for Diffendorfer Day. And it's about school. So that <laughs> one we did keep, but he did not complete it. I fact-checked so. you, Theodore Seuss Geisel. So we all sort of had it here or there. We're in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. The other book, and this is for any of the books that I'm even going to recommend. I am not the kind of parent reader who will read the same book over and over and over. My boys will want me again, again. They got two. I will read the same book twice and then they have to pick something else. So that's another thing that makes me cringe. I've already read it twice. Let's find something else by a different author, the same author, just to try to ease that because I can't read it more than two times without needing a break. Thank you for sending me some bad flashbacks to Mooba La 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 on repeat when my babies were babies. But yeah, that was the first <laughs> favorite book. And I just wanted them to like books so badly. I just read it over and over again. I could probably do it verbatim and will not <laughs> Thank you. for the good of our audience. <laughs> You're welcome. But that said, in terms of my version of the cringy books, I'm going to preface with a disclaimer because I love Shel Silverstein's collection. I think that his poems are typically hilarious, a little dark, mm -hmm. but funny usually. And my daughter's really getting into them. But the book that I cannot stand is The Giving Tree. I'm sorry. <laughs> that book is terrible. <laughs> yes. I just look at the selfishness of the main character and what makes the book cringy for me is that there like you said nothing good happens in the cat in the hat casey double nothing good happens and <laughs> the boy is rewarded for it over and over yep. and over again for being selfish and self-centered and not embracing any sustainable practices and more or less being deeply unkind to a being that loves him unconditionally and it makes me mm -hmm. sick and i don't want my kids to absorb it <laughs> So I don't the like abuse it. of trees. We do not endorse. <laughs> yes, can't deal. <laughs> so for the cringy book for mine, it's less of a book and more of I won't even call it a genre, but just anything that comes from. Don't hate me. Don't at me. But any Disney book, like a Disney, they're oh, so they're like terrible. speaking of long. The yeah, Disney where you read book? any of those, and then they yes. want to read them over and over again. And I don't think this one falls yeah. under Disney technically, but the one that I'll give for a specific is Dora the Explorer. Any of those that came from the show that now they have a book, and now we're talking about what's the backpack and the map, and it lacks depth, mm -hmm. it lacks creativity, it, meh, boring. Yeah, those really are just yeah. mass produced for commercialism they're not really meant towards enriching a child's thinking or cognitive or language abilities it's your kid likes frozen so here's a book yeah. with anna there you go now you must buy it and we're gonna place it at the <laughs> checkout <laughs> terrible yes terrible. right at the checkout where they're sure to beg mm -hmm. for it when you're at your weakest sure thing mm -hmm. uh, and i don't know if anybody else is into doing voices as much as i am casey this seems oh, up yeah. your alley for sure <laughs> But the Disney ones bug me because I can't do a lot of the voices. You get a book that stars Donald Duck and you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but that's part of too, you know, you talked about earlier that, you know, creating that special bond books, when you do incorporate the voices and a couple of the recommendations I have, I do ridiculous voices for it adds to the interest level. Cause let's be honest, we're competing for our children's attention with all these other media outlets out there. And so if I can add a little bit of flavor, like I was just reading to my son, Coraline, we got through the first two chapters tonight. And he's really interested. And I would stop and I would do different voices for the two neighbors and the crazy old man. Yes. Like, they get more into it. And I asked him to make connections. Oh, Coraline is bored. She says she's bored. Who else says he's bored all the time? And he points to himself. It's getting the kids to make those real life connections to the book that really is going to hold reading in a special place. Well, for them. and I, this one we don't have on our upcoming list, but I just feel like I need to interject this one because Casey, you're talking about the voices and the one, <laughs> the one book that I do with my kids that I read with a British accent. I just can't not is the Gruffalo. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Gruffalo that, and that one now I cannot read without a British accent because no, you just, I don't know why, <laughs> but it just makes it more fun. And now that's how they expect it to be read. Oh, so sweet. But honestly, I like that you're talking about this transcendent power of whether it's the voices or the creativity or the moment of bonding or a combination of these things that reading can kind of transcend the moment and become something bigger than that. So I want to mm-hmm. put that back to the two of you. What's a moment or an instance you can talk about either with your own kids or even yourself as a developing reader when a shared reading experience became something more than that, had that transcendent power for you? So I had one, a book. I used to go to Illinois through its reading council. So there's the Illinois Reading Council has a conference every year. And I would often go to just see what's new and upcoming for children's lit and middle school lit. And I won a book called Vincent Can't Sleep. And it goes through the child-friendly version of Vincent Van Gogh's life Mm. through his artwork so you see vincent can't sleep he's too busy dreaming about this and seeing all these colors and it's really beautifully done and at the very end of the book there is a nonfiction article if you will all about how he crafted over 500 paintings and when i was reading it to my oldest he was so interested like we read it for at least two weeks straight every night and recently downtown in oak park or wicker park they had the van gogh experience he really wanted to go and experience the paintings live. And it was just a special little moment between me and him. And it wouldn't have started his interest in art if we didn't read that book together. I can't not go next because Casey, I was wondering (laughs) what I would say for this one. And it is a similar experience, but it goes all the way back to my childhood back in the 90s. So this book is very old and may not be very well known, but it's Linnea in Monet's Garden. And so it was a book that was my grandmother's and she loved Monet and she had Monet paintings all over her house. Not the original, too bad. But I remember (laughs) I still have this book to this day in my dresser drawer. It's just one of those that's really special and I would read it with her. And it has 
the history of Monet and you know what you're talking about, but it has a storyline that went with it. My husband and I have visited countries around Europe and multiple times in France. And the one time that we were able to go to Monet's gardens, like we were in the area, it was like, I have oh. to see... I have to see that Japanese bridge. I have to see it in the flesh. And so being able to do that full circle moment from my childhood, that connection and bonding experience that I had with my grandmother, and then being able to see it where it came from, that one's just a memorable experience that I have. And I just thought of that, how it took me this long to even connect it for what we're going to talk about tonight wasn't until you Mm -hmm. started talking about yours. So thank you. Yay. I love those connections. And I like that you're both connecting to the art of the written word and the visual arts as well. That's that's awesome. Mine's not as artistic, but it's probably a little more social and emotional. So I'm going to try not to get misty eyed here. But this is more of an author recommendation than anything. Are either of you aware of the late great Amy Krauss Rosenthal? Oh my goodness, you need to look up her books. She is wonderful. Google, Google. So this actually started before I had any kids of my own at all. And it was only my niece, who was the oldest grandchild in our family, so to speak, when she was born and I became her godmother, I had promised to give her a book every year on the anniversary of her baptism. And so one of the books that I found for her by this author is called Dear Girl. The author's, she passed away, but her daughter wrote A Dear Boy as well. And what's great about Dear Girl is it goes through all these things and little bits of advice in very kid-friendly language, very kid-friendly drawing about using your imagination and not being afraid to say no and using your voice and being friends with all kinds of different people. And it was like every message that I wanted to pass on to my little niece, like in this nice little package and so cute and wonderful and so I like gave this to her and I wrote her a little message on the inside of it and then fast forward to my own kids getting a little bit older my sister then returned the favor by giving both of my twins dear boy and dear girl and writing them little messages about and so this has kind of become this book in my family that we use to share ideas and talk about the world with our kids, but also to just express the deep love we have for our our nieces, our nephews, our godchildren, the little ones in our life that are special to us. And it's really created some nice conversations with me and my own kids as we read pages of this. Like, there's one page where the little boy is clearly a hockey player, but then he still wears his hockey uniform and goes to sing in the choir and just about having different interests Mm -hmm. or trying different things. And seriously, these books are wonderful. And this author does other fantastic books too that I would could also probably do a full episode on I won't but <laughs> google that author her stuff is lovely and wonderful I just googled I just, as well and the I wish you more I have that one do you have it Casey yes I wish, yes I didn't realize that was one. her but yeah I wish you more with mm-hmm. all of the dandelion yes. wisps, mm-hmm. wisps. Flying mm-hmm. my sister loved I just googled it as well little p yes like I remember we read that every day. my sister <laughs> loved that book and granted she loved it when she she was little, but remembered it in high school. And her boyfriend in high school was an amazing artist and had actually drawn her little pea on a spoon. And oh it was just gosh. really sweet. So I remember it being in her room. My guess is she still has it. It was adorable. Yes. That author is one of those authors where you have heard of her. You just don't know you've heard of her. Yes. But yes, for those of you out there looking, it's a great find. So yeah, dig in. 
And speaking of great finds, we wanted to share, now that we've already kind of been dipping in and out of sharing some recommendations of books and authors that are are near and dear, this is kind of the upgrade section of things, hence the title of the episode, Upgrading Your Kids Books. We want to talk about what are some potential upgrades for some of the books that we might find annoying or cringy or just it's been done. We've read it a million times Mm -hmm. and we're ready for something new. What are some upgrades we could have? So, Casey? I'll kick us off. Yes. So this is one that I remember hearing as a kid. The Robert Munch, I'll love you forever. Like, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're living, my baby, you'll be. I remember my mom crying when she would ever read Mm -hmm. this book to us. And yes, it is an emotional book. But I would also argue... Not real healthy. (laughs) Especially the adult child rocking his dying mother to bed. Yeah. Or or, Or her sneaking into his room. No, that's weird. Yeah, like she literally, you see in the picture, she is driving her car with a ladder (laughs) over to her son's house to sneak into the window to rock his grown ass to see what? (laughs) not no 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 yeah Um, boundaries (laughs) boundaries 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 so if you liked that book i would recommend i'm not going to cry about it because i always cry the wonderful things you will be i forget who the author is but both of my boys truly loved looking at all the visuals in the book it outlines possibilities and the hopes that you have for your child, that you will always be there no matter if they decide they want to play in a rock band or be an artist or make this or make that. You will always be there and you just want to look at their potential. So it's a beautiful story and it even has, I always love the interactive books where you get to flip open Mm -hmm. and see different images on the page and that was a great book that also includes sing-songy rhyme that is just a visual delight in addition to being fun to listen to and the author looked it up for you emily winfield martin all right captain google strikes again thanks Labrie. All right, so I'll go next, and this goes back to my cringe book, The Giving Tree, which I've already described the reasons why that makes me nuts, so we won't go back there. But let's say what you are looking for is a book that talks about a healthier relationship between people, or in this case, inanimate objects. <laughs> uh, let's go to the book, The Good Egg. Again, author unknown, but I'm sure Jenny will I'm find on. it. Um, yes. Peter Oswald. Oh, that good, one I Casey. do know. Hey. Peter Horden Oswald or something like that. Yes, this book is great. And it is great because we just said boundaries in talking about I'll love you forever. And I also would argue that the giving tree really could have used some boundaries to not be walked all over. And that is the entire central message of the good egg. It's about learning to set boundaries and learning how to Mm -hmm. engage in care of oneself rather than always just trying to be good at the behest of bringing yourself down when others are not being as good. So when you think of the the giving tree types out there, and, and that's a lot of us as parents, we give and give and give and give. Yeah. It is really good for our, our kiddos to see somebody setting a healthy limit and choosing to step away from a situation that's not working for them so that they can come back healthier, better, and hopefully better those around them a little, a little more too. 
author is Jory John. Pete Oswald is the illustrator ah. for Capright. <laughs> and as a recovering people pleaser, The Good Egg is an amazing book on how to set your personal boundaries to help preserve your own personal well-being. So it's self-care without saying the dirty word of self-care. I read that book whenever I just feel like I'm completely tapped out. Everybody hates me and I just need to realign my values. Also important to point out is Casey gifted this to Emily and I or our children. I don't know which one. This was during the pandemic. I think it was 2020 when she was like, here's a book for you. It's awesome to read with kids and also just as good for us. Yep, never more needed than then. <laughs> and all of Jory John's books are insanely clever. So The Bad Seed talks about a sunflower seed who's had a rough go of it. The Couch Potato is a potato who sits on the couch and watches too much TV. Uh. There's the cool bean that's a hazelnut that is trying to be like all. So he's got a lot of really clever books. If you really love The Good Egg, give those ones a try. So the next one that we're going to talk about that just drives me up a wall. Mm, I don't like this one either. Read it in kindergarten this year. And I was just like, oh, uh, do we have <laughs> to? Is the Rainbow Fish Pass. by Marcus Fister, I believe. So I remember this book as a kid. It was beautiful. It has these gorgeous pastel colors and these iridescent silvery special scales. Thank you. That adorn this fish. And essentially the fish gets picked on by the other fish because he should share his scales. Like, you're literally asking this fish to rip off the parts of his body <laughs> to give it to others so that he can fit in. Every bit as bad as the given tree, <laughs> if not this literally one has a brain. <laughs> not an animate object. <laughs> right? It's awful. It's, it's terrible. So if you're looking for a book that has a positive message on friendship, and how do we help kids understand how to treat their friends? I would recommend, because it's absolutely adorable, Strictly No Elephants. And over the course of this book, a little boy has a tiny pet elephant that everybody else has normal pets, quote unquote, normal pets like fish and cats and dogs. And one day he decides he wants to go to pet club and strictly no elephants are allowed in pet club. And so he decides to, because each page turn is a different message. Like, we don't leave our friends behind. Even if the elephant is afraid to step on cracks, a good friend doesn't leave his friend behind. And the little boy meets a little girl who has a skunk as a pet. <laughs> and they decide to start their own pet club where all are welcome. So absolutely sweet story about friendship without having to rip apart the scale <sighs> of another fish. So our next one on the list here, I'll have Emily talk about its cringiness and then I'll go over the wreck. But <laughs> Emily, why is Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Not so good. For lack of a better term, it's real whiny. <laughs> like this kid... <laughs> Yeah, sure. He has a rough day. We all have rough days, but it is very, very whiny, grouchy, grumpy. The kid 
more or less cops in attitude all day, despite like the first one or two bad things that happen to him. And like some of them are things that happen to him and some of them are things that are completely under his control. But he basically just goes through describing all these awful, annoying things that happened to him during that day and then goes to bed grumpy and his mom tries to cheer him up. It's like grumpy, whiny kid, bad attitude. I don't know. It's just, it's it's just, just annoying. Depressing. Yeah, annoying, it's depressing. depressing. <laughs> irritating there's there's no positive turn there's no glimmer of wisdom no little epiphany something where you'll see in the recommendation it has like there's nothing wrong with being grumpy and having a bad day that's fine but a little bit of self-awareness would have been nice for alexander and uh the only person at all to reach across the gap and like engage so yes grumpy irritating whiny all the things but like his mom is the only one to even approach him at the end of the day like he's got brothers they don't do anything to help him like nobody helps him Ugh, just mm-hmm. yucky so on to the, the recommendation. recommendation in speaking of my son jack he loves this recommendation it's really important yes. to also point out that jack has bad days we all have bad days and there's often times where he and i have the conversation what strategies are you using to help you feel better and let's talk through and notice and name those strategies so that you don't just sit in your yuck or you don't just sit in your grumpy, but that we have some kind of toolkit for our kids to think about how do you feel better. And so the recommendation actually is an entire series, The Grumpy Monkey. So I've got the Don't Be Scared, Grumpy Monkey, Valentine Gross Out, Grumpy Monkey, Who Threw That?, Grumpy monkey, are we there yet? The one that comes to my mind, the one that's in our house and that we do read often and actually is Jack's absolute favorite is Grumpy Monkey Freshly Squeezed. And I love this one. And all of them, they, they kind of read like a graphic novel. There's lots of pictures and, mm-hmm. and it's almost turn to this page for this particular thing and then come on back. It's kind of interactive in that way. But the freshly squeezed one is the grumpy monkey is looking for his orange that he squeezes to help him when he's frustrated. So he squeezes his orange and he says, squeeze, squeeze, mind at ease. And so he's working on that because he's feeling a little grumpy and it gives him something to work through that. And it's just a really positive way to think about when we're not feeling great. It's okay to have those feelings, but what is the strategy that we're using? And there can be more than one in this case the one that's his favorite is the orange trying to find the orange and the mango is just not going to cut it he needs the orange right so it's just a really cute series that goes through and talks about emotions but then also gives you the toolkit that you need to work through your feelings yes i've loved this book for so many reasons number one it's the cleverness right the monkey's name in the original is jim pansy mm-hmm. That cracks me up every single time my youngest brings me that book. Like, chimpanzee, it's so funny. And then in the toolkit, as later in the book, the other animals are trying to help Jim feel better. Like, do a dance and take a nap. My favorite is eat old meat. <laughs> <laughs> bird recommends that he eats old meat and it just cracks me up every time i read it it's so funny it's cute and again brings up a couple other things one that's a book where i go hard with the voices every animal has a different voice so that's always a fun one to read out loud to the kiddos and another one that i really like about that is i just talked about how like there's no peership there's no one really coming to alexander on his level in the alexander and the terrible horrible no good very bad day but in grumpy monkey his friends are all trying to get in there with him and help him like there's that reaching out and trying to help a peer who's struggling even if someone's having 
you know, a really difficult day or is in a bad mood. And the traditional wisdom is steer clear. Whereas this book is like, no, we're going to help you. We've got this. We'll do it together. And even if it's just to sit with the other person when they're grumpy and be together, Mm -hmm. that might be the thing that reaches across the gap, but not to give up on your people just because they're grouchy either, which I think sends a great message to our kids. Absolutely. And it draws the parallel between a physical boo-boo is just as painful as a heart boo-boo. When your heart is hurting, when you're grumpy, it's the same as getting your butt stuck with working pine needles. (laughs) It's great. So definitely a great multifaceted book to help kids. Okay, so we got time for one more of these swap outs or upgrades. So what is our finale here? Oh, this is so hard, but I'm going to have to go with the current favorite in my house. So in our opener... We remixed one of another Shel Silverstein poems, Homework, Oh Homework, that really just gives a bad taste in your mouth about school and homework and what it's supposed to be. And so if you love the Shel Silverstein poem, I'm going to recommend an Aaron Reynolds book called Creepy Crayon. So this is a story of Jasper Rabbit, who's a continuing character from Creepy Carrots and Creepy Pair of Underwear, two amazing books on their own. And Jasper finds a purple crayon that does his homework for him better than he could ever do the homework. And over the course of the story, Jasper learns that what's best is you doing your own thinking for yourself because you've earned it adorable adorable book that my youngest will toddle over creepy clan creepy clan (laughs) loves these books and i think it's even appropriate now that we have conversations about chat gpt and those sorts of ais it's an amazing book to introduce because it's not about being perfect it's about the learning and the thinking that happens. Love it, love it, love it. If you didn't make the AI connection, I certainly was going to. And with this in mind, and also just a consideration, yes, I know we've been really living in little kids book land, but I do want to just mention one thing, and that is the ideas and central messages of kids books can still be helpful and good for our older readers to learn as well. I know when we're talking about learning different structures of story or different um, literary devices, even sometimes we bring in kids books, even in the upper grades, even in high school. So even Mm -hmm. if your kiddos are older and this ship has sailed, for instance, if you think about the central message of this, the last one that you mentioned and how this could create a conversation, discussion stimulus or something, in talking about AI and the ethics of it all and what's really important. Mm -hmm. That is an interesting idea that I wanted to at least make sure that I mentioned because it's not just those of us over here in librarian or past librarian land who think that everybody should be reading all these books. Like They really can be helpful for people of any ages, and that's why we're talking about how we can enjoy them more as adults too, you know? And truly, we have tons more recommendations. So if you love this series and want to hear more of it, we could invite back a kidlit librarian and dish about these books all day long. Yep. But truly, truly, if you're looking for more, your local library is a great place. I always encourage my kids to go up to the librarian desk and ask for help 
finding at least one book because it gets them practice advocating for themselves and to possibly find something new. But also Illinois has several leveled book lists. I know I'm into your territory, Emily. That's all right. I can sit this one out. I'd live this life for many years. (laughs) Seven to be exact. (laughs) But the Monarch, the Caudill and the Lincoln books also provide you a great place to get your own book recommendations. And this year's Monarch list truly leveled up their diversity, equity and inclusion selections. There's some amazing books on that list and their Monarchs are for the little. So Casey, two things I have to mention there. First of all, that was so hard for you to have to pick which ones we talked about today (laughs) for our listeners she could have gone on and on and on and on and so we had to we had to cut it somewhere but there are more if we like this one we'll go into another episode where we could talk through these and the second thing i wanted to point out was hey i'd never had thought of what an awesome life hack for bringing your kids to the library and having them advocate for themselves i had never even considered that myself so i can imagine anyone out there listening maybe you're feeling that same way as i did where i was like dang that's a great idea how have i not thought of that Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, just to try to get them to talk to another adult, to use their voice, to, I'm looking for monster trucks, where can you find? And then they're getting used to the different sections of the library themselves. I'll pick out most of their books, but that's my one thing. If we're going, you need to talk to the librarian because that's why they're there. They get a little bit of pep in their step too when you get to engage. Yeah, make a librarian's day. Let them talk to a kid. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would say my library hack, actually, if we're we're doing this now, I actually just ask my kids to pick out one nonfiction book every time we're there. So I challenge them to find something that they're interested in learning more about that is not just a story. These stories are great. There's so much good there, but I want them to explore different types of text too, not just different texts. So that's another little library. Well, hack. and speaking, take them to the nonfiction section. Let's and go. Speaking of those standards, there's the reading for information. So yeah. there's different standards mm-hmm. that your kids are working towards as they go through the K 12 school system. Yep. Don't care if you want to read about Minecraft or actual crafts. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's usually how it goes, by the way. <laughs> Learn more about what you love. That's how you do it. All right. So now that we've exhausted the topic or (laughs) hashtag GLG pod chat, if you want more, (laughs) it's probably time to transition to a game. Yeah. So this is a rehash of another game we did last summer during our Lizzo episode of pop culture playground. I'm going to try my hand at it. But essentially what I have done is I have used heightened vocabulary or attempted to to retitle popular kids books. So I'm calling this honest kid book titles, but it's just increased the level of rigor of them a little bit. You upgraded your vocabulary. Well played, I tried, I tried. (laughs) One ask I have for the two of you is if you could please close your scripts or your our outlines. No cheating. That's never happened in beaches. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Emily, I'm going to start with you. Okay. The honest title of this book is Crunchy Activists versus Capitalism. Too little, too late. Crunchy. Crunchy Activists versus Capitalism. Too little, too late. I don't know. (laughs) I will give you a clue. We've mentioned the author in our cringy section. Okay. Oh, this is uh, the Lorax. The Lorax, that's what I was thinking. Yay! (laughs) All right. Crunchy activists. So you used a lot of words for a one-worded title. 
But yes, mm-hmm. got it. Okay. I had to. <laughs> okay, you ready, Jenny? Uh, you yeah. ready? You can do it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of this. I'm just letting you know. Articulate arachnius cavitycus saves bacon. Oh, Charlotte's Web. Yes. For anyone who hasn't heard the episode, uh, what episode was that when we talked about Charlotte's Web being my favorite hero? (laughs) That was your favorite Spider-Man, ding dong. (laughs) What episode was that for? If you want to go back and I think that was the coaching one, but (laughs) they picked their favorite Spider-Man and I chose Charlotte. Okay. And the last one is, this will be the tiebreaker because you, so whoever gets it first. Okay. Okay. The party pooping fish and the trashy house squatters. Ding dong. (laughs) Ding dong. Ding ding. (laughs) I I just called you a ding dong. (laughs) That's why. It's the cat in the hat. <laughs> Yay! Good oh job. Tell her what she wins, Veach. So that's honest kid book title. Oh, um, she <laughs> she wins uh, 17 1960s copies of original Dr. Seuss prints. <laughs> oh, man. Casey cleaned out her basement or something. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, I do want to mention to our listenership, make sure that you reach out to us, use any of our social media, hashtag GLG Podchat, or if you're someone who sees us on the day-to-day, mention it there as well. We want to make sure that if anybody's really enjoying the Parent University series, that we're able to return to it. I'm sure there are other topics that we could delve into that are important to our educators and our parents and our parent educators out there that we can use to help make those connections that we so deeply value. That said, we are moving on to our regular format episodes. From here, we're going to be tackling the topic of hacking assessment next. So hang with us for that. Hope you'll join us. And that's a wrap. It's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.